Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. Our message will come tonight in two parts. Um, if you're just joining us, where we are in the narrative is very close to the end. Jesus has completed his earthly ministry with his disciples. He's been betrayed. And he's been arrested. John is our narrator. John the eyewitness. John who was there for all of this. I'll be interacting with the scripture back and forth and talking to you a bit about what's going on, but my hope tonight is simply to let the scripture preach to you. This is the Gospel of John, chapter 19. Then Pilate had Jesus flogged <clears throat> with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put a purple robe on him. Hail, king of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. Pilate went outside again and said to the, to the people, I'm going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said, Look, here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, By our law he ought to die, because he called himself the Son of God. Of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me? Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? Then Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leaders shouted, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement, in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover, and Pilate said to the people, Look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. What, crucify your king, Pilate asked? 
We have no king but Caesar. The leading priests shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. This moment here. This is where we consider our part in the story. This is where we consider our role in this. Because Jesus in this act is not just paying for every single sin that has ever been committed up until that point. He is paying for every single sin that will ever be committed, including yours and mine. He tells us righteousness is available because I go to the Father, because of what he's doing. The bridge he's building back to God. It sets it up simply like this. Here we are in 2022 with our sin and our shame and our guilt. And here's Jesus 2,000 years ago. When you and I here and now confess our sins to God, He allows a once and for all time transference of our guilt and our shame up off of us and onto the shoulders of Jesus Christ. He pays for our sin. And God calls us righteous. I wonder if you've thought much this year or recently about Shame. Or if you felt shame. I'm not talking about guilt. Differentiate properly. Guilt is about what we've done. Guilt is is okay. I mean, overused guilt can become something that weighs us down, but if we do something we shouldn't do or, or fail to do something that we ought to do and we feel guilt about it, that's good. That means we don't have the pathology of, of a sociopath. That's a good thing to feel guilt in moments like that. I'm not talking about guilt. Guilt is hard enough, by the way. Like, guilt is tough. No, no, I'm talking about shame. An entirely different thing. Guilt has to do with what we've done. Shame is about who we are. Jesus wasn't just taking our guilt. He was taking our shame. Crucifixion more than capital punishment was about 
shame. It's not talked about because, um, well, it's not polite, and I understand it. In church circles, in Christian circles, this isn't really discussed a lot, but the Romans executed their crucifixion victims naked. Now, we don't talk about that for modesty's sake, and every crucifix I've ever seen, Jesus is wearing a, a loincloth of some kind, and I, I get that. I, I understand that. But that's not how it went down that day. He was naked when they nailed him to that cross. It wasn't just about pain. It wasn't just about execution. It was about shame. He endured that. He went through that so that you and I would never have to again. He endured that. So that we could be affirmed. Because now, righteousness is available. Not because we're so perfect, because we're so great, because we're so deserving or so holy. No, no. Because righteousness and holiness have been imparted to us. We don't have to be ashamed anymore. Because God saw it all coming and loves us still. Here, at this point in the narrative, we're going to pause to take communion. When you walked in, you got yourself a little plastic chalice. One side has a wafer, the other side has grape juice. What we're going to do now is sing a song together and invite you not only to prepare the elements, go ahead and get those unwrapped, but also to prepare your heart for this moment. John the Apostle continues his narrative. This is chapter 19 at verse 16. So they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called Place of the Skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. Here, they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side, with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek so that many people could read it. Then the leading priests objected and said to Pilate, change it from the king of the Jews to he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate replied, no, what I have written I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. 
So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the, scriptures that, the scripture that says, they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It was the day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath because it was Passover week. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. So they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear. And immediately blood and water flowed out. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you also may continue to believe. These things happened in fulfillment of the scriptures that say not one of his bones will be broken and they will look on the one they have pierced. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came back and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so, because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Have you ever pondered what this was like for John? He's, he's in the narrative. He breaks protocol. Bit of a faux pas here in first century literature. He breaks protocol by identifying himself. This is really not done. 
but he writes right after. There must have been tears on the paper, right? Like right after he gives the account of how they pierced his side with a spear, he writes, this account comes from an eyewitness. John is just reminding us, making sure there can be no doubt. I was standing right there. So they come to break Jesus' legs, right? They come to break everybody's legs because if you haven't put it together, crucifixion victims die by suffocation. It's a horrible death. Your body weight hanging on your arms, you have to stand upon the nails that have been driven through you. Sometimes they would tie their victims, but... Sometimes they were nailed, and so you'd have to stand upon the nails to breathe, to draw breath. And so when they came to break Jesus' legs, they found, no, he's already dead. And that's no surprise because he was three-quarters dead when they nailed him to the cross. The first part of John chapter 19 is that Pilate had him whipped with a lead-tipped whip. That whip had a name. It was called the Cat of Nine Tails. And it wasn't just chunks of lead at the end. There were pieces of glass and bone woven into the the strands of it. Roman custom said you couldn't whip a man 40 times because the 40th lash would kill him. He was cut to ribbons before he ever got to the cross. Before they beat him with sticks and beat him with their fists and spat upon him. And before he carried that crossbeam down the way of suffering to the place of the skull, and before they nailed him to that cross, he was pretty well already dead. So here's John. How grateful he must have been to see, okay, they don't have to break his legs. And what must have gone through his mind when they, they pierced his side with a spear. I mean, already dead. It's hard to get your head around it, what John must have been thinking, what he must have been feeling in that moment. So that righteousness could be made available for you and for me. Thousands of years before this happened comes the prophet Isaiah. And eons before Jesus ever walked on the earth, we find this in the scripture. This is Isaiah chapter 53. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief, We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, 
like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. All of us, all of us have strayed from God's path. All of us, has, all of us have left God's path to follow our own. So here we are with our guilt and our sin and our shame. And here's Jesus who was shamed that we might be affirmed, who was whipped that we might be healed, who was crucified that we might live. Sunday is coming. Sunday, we're going to celebrate this. Tonight, we remember how he screamed. Tonight, we remember what it cost that righteousness could be made available to you and to me. Let us pray. Father, we love you, and we're so grateful, but our hearts are heavy sad that it had to come to this. But we know it did. Sin, Father, our sin is a serious problem and you sent the most serious of solutions. Thank you, Father, for what you did on our behalf and making it possible for broken people like us to be seen as righteous in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone, and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.